So I uh, almost shit myself in an eyeglass world the other day. <laughs> um, more like eye ass world, am I right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I went to get my new glasses, right? And I've always had tummy problems, you know, for my entire life. So this is not new. But ever since I had my gallbladder removed, I am still learning what I can and cannot eat without immediately having explosive diarrhea. <laughs> uh-huh. So I went and ate a big salad after they measured my glasses. And it's like an hour and you get your glasses. And I went and played with some puppies at the pet store and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yep. I go back in to get my glasses and I'm standing there and she's getting them. And I'm like, my stomach literally makes the loudest like lurching noise. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's not good. And then as I'm standing there, it started to like, I, I don't know how it worked its way down so quickly, but it did. And it's so all like, it's all lubed up in there. It's all ready to go. And I, <laughs> I looked at Lydia. I was like, do you have a bathroom? <laughs> like that panicked. You're like, like, I need a bathroom right now. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it's down the hall. The longest fucking hallway ever. Okay. So I had to like (laughs) shuffle step the entire way down the hallway. Because you can't, you can't take proper steps because you have to like, you have to like clench. And then let me tell you that it was the loudest and longest shit I have (laughs) ever taken in my entire life. Oh my God. I hope you like, I hope you like (sighs) tipped those poor workers. I know you don't. No, I didn't. I know you don't typically tip (coughs) an eyeglass store, but. I was in there mentally preparing what I was going to say if I came out and they asked me anything. Oh, yeah. What did you come up with? I was literally just going to look at them deadpan and be like, listen, I just had my gallbladder removed and I have not learned what I can and cannot eat without shitting myself yet. So I apologize in advance. Please give me my glasses and I will leave. <laughs> and I will never come back. Except, <laughs> except no, you'll 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 go back. You'll- I will go back because it was actually fantastic customer service and I got my glasses very quickly. So <laughs> And how was their how was their toilet? Toilet was very comfortable, very clean. Um, I had a great shitting experience. I would give it a 10 out of 10. You would shit there again? I would shit there again. Okay. Well, that's great. Congratulations. I should probably tell everyone the whole reason that I told this story is because we were having conversations before this about (laughs) just, just stupid stuff like that about like I you know I just the I really don't know. have any shame yeah yeah and I was talking about how I have so much shame and I can't like app when I was getting ready for the wedding my my tits oh my god my boobs were taped I, I was practically like a stuffed sausage they were like taped so much I and taped you in there you I know and like between you and Alyssa you were just like you have to just let your tits go let me see them let me touch them and I was like no (laughs) I don't know it's just it's just a problem that I probably need to work on in therapy I mean I don't think there's anything wrong with it truthfully it's I mean there's probably something wrong with like the fact that I literally will just whip them out in front of anyone and I don't care you're just like an exhibitionist that's fine I think I just like I said I think I just look at it like it's a body Everybody has a body and everybody has their own issues with their bodies. And if you don't like my body, I don't really give a fuck because I like my body. So I'm going to whip out a titty if I need to whip out a titty and we're going to solve the problem. You know, like I just don't have any shame about it. I guess. Gonna, there, what, what problems need to be solved with whipping out your tits? Um, feeding babies, which will never happen. I was going to say world um, hunger. 
world <laughs> hunger. Sure, if you're thirsty for the titties, I got them. <laughs> I um, am. I'm very thirsty. For the- <laughs> <laughs> they are there, you know, they're ready. Um, but no, like at, at your wedding, you know what I mean? Like I've just never, or like at the doctor, or even at like, I don't know, like in a situation where I need to get undressed, I just don't care. Like, cause I guess I just look at it like everybody has a body and I, it's literally just, this is what's happening right now. So. Well, yeah. Take some of that, take some of that lack of, lack of shame and give it to your girl because like we, we were talking about yeah. the fucking, the, the, whatever, the boudoir shoots. Yeah, exactly. Nope. Ex- exactly. Nope. But. Yeah, I just don't have any. I should probably have shame. I just told probably however many, you know, three people that listen to our story about <laughs> shitting myself. But like, I didn't shit myself, but almost shitting myself. Uh, tell but, us, you know. send us an email, chardonnayanddna at gmail.com about your yeah. shitting yourself stories. If you've shit yourself in public or almost Let us shit know. yourself in public, we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> <laughs> but... I wanted to, I actually wanted to bring up something that's kind of, I think it's nice. I had a really big realization the other day. I was talking to Terry about the podcasts and I, I was talking to him and I was like, I just realized that even if I'm dreading writing my story or, you know, I'm rushing or, you know, something, I'm having like a shit day, but then we sit down and we record and I always feel better afterwards. It's yes, it's it's a nice it's a nice time. It is a it's good bonding time with with yeah. Mal. Yeah. So it's I'm thankful for that and I just wanted to tell you that. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I thought maybe you would think that was nice. I thought it was nice. I kind of made myself tear up a little bit about it. So I I was thinking that too like even I don't know why, but today I'm like nervous about my story. I just feel, I feel a little rusty. It's my first story since we took like kind of a long break. Yeah. But but at the same time, I know that like, it's just us here and the three people that listen. So. Yeah. So it's fine. Mm -hmm. Becky, I just told everyone I tried to almost shit myself. Like, don't be scared. It's all uphill for me now. It's all uphill. I hit rock bottom so that you could climb. You. (laughs) (laughs) You walked so that I could run. To the bathroom because you're shitting yourself. <laughs> right, exactly. Which might happen because I did just scarf down my dinner. So we'll see how this goes. Oh, God. Be prepared for an um, intermission, Terry, that you're going to have to edit. Yeah. But you know what? Anybody who listens and has had their gallbladder removed can definitely relate. And that's kind of why I'm also just like, I don't fucking care because I know that there are other people out there that have genuinely experienced that as well. Oh, yeah. I'll ask my mom. Um, I'm sure my mom has. She oh, has yeah. She's. She's had a, a booty clenching moment. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. So a, a BCM uh, booty clenching yeah, moment. I like it. Yeah, I like that. Next time when I have one, I'll text you like BCM. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be like, oh fuck, looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I have an icebreaker other than shitting myself. Oh, okay, great. What is it? So, <laughs> um. Have you or do you ever have dreams, okay, that you wake up from and they felt so real and they don't even need to really feel real, but they make you pissed off in real life. Like either you're pissed off at someone that was in your dream or like in real life or like a situation, like that kind of shit. Oh, Hmm. yeah. I've definitely had that. Uh, Leading up to my wedding, I had dreams, I shit you not, almost every night about just some disaster happening. 
<laughs> one day, one dream, like my dress, I put my dress on and it was fucking like a mermaid style, which is the least flattering for my body type. <laughs> I was like a mermaid style fucking blue dress. I was like, what the fuck is this? That pissed me off. I had one where we lost the rings. That fucking oh pissed me off. It just like, it, it set me, I was just like, oh my fucking God. Like it stressed me the whole fuck out. These goddamn yeah. dreams. And I had like a string of them and I can't remember. Those are the two biggest ones that I remember. But just these like catastrophes happening. Oh my God. Leading up to the wedding. Yeah. And I know that I've had more. Um, I know that I've had some about Joe where I've woken up and been like, you piece of shit. And I. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what happened and why I thought of this icebreaker. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. And like. And we fucking stay mad at them because we're yeah. insane. Yeah. So what was yours? So I I frequently have really, really horrific dreams that affect me like the next day. And they're mm-hmm. not always like about Joey. It's like I have a recurring one where I go back to high school and high school was not a good time for me. So like I'm crying in the dream because I'm an adult and I'm like, I have a master's degree. I have two. You're Why like, am Why? I in high school? Why am and, I here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I wake up crying every time and then I'm upset all day. So I had one where Joey cheated on me. Mm-hmm. Classic. And yeah. And like, it was literally like in the span of him leaving for work. Okay. Cause he leaves and I sleep a little bit longer in that hour. I had this dream and I woke up and I was just ready to fucking throw hands. <laughs> like I was pissed and I had to like calm myself down. I kept saying it was not Joey. It was dream Joey. It was dream, Joey. Stop it. It was dream, Joey. And I kept talking myself down. And then finally I texted Joey and I was like, I'm fucking mad at you. <laughs> yeah, we did. Because we're fucking psychotic. Yeah. I yes. Guess. And he was just like, what did I do now? And I was like, oh, it was dream you. And he and I was like, you cheated on me and I want to fucking fight someone now. And he was like, oh, all right. But here's my thing. This let me just take my neurotic ass a little further for you. Um. I was then angry because he didn't say, I'd never cheat on you, honey. I love you. He was just like, oh, this bitch. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, well, what the fuck is that shit? Uh So then he came home and I was like, I am actually mad at you now. And he was like, well, what the fuck did I do now? He's like, it was dream me. I didn't cheat on you. I can't control dream me. Like, I didn't do that. And I was like, you didn't say that you love me and reassure me that you'd never cheat on me and that. You know, now I think you're actually going to go cheat on me. And I like went on this tangent and he was like, Jesus Christ, I can't run, win in real life or in the fucking dream. What am I supposed to do? You're like, you didn't give in to my neuroses. How exactly. dare you? How dare you not placate me? <laughs> yeah. So um, I just I was thinking about it and I was like, I bet you Becky has had a dream like this. Before oh, yeah. It just ruined her whole fucking day. So. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever watched Tom Segura? No, he's a um, he's a comedian and he talks about that exact thing about how <laughs> women get mad at men for like things that happen in their dreams. And it's it's a very funny skit and you would relate. Yeah, I'll have to because I just I'll have to watch it because it just it hits it hits a little different for some reason. Yeah. Whenever I wake up from a dream like that. No, I get it because you're like those motherfuckers. They if it happened in my dream, it could happen in real life, right? Right. No. Right. No. And it won't. It, it won't. But my brain makes me think it will. Well, mm. your brain is uh, trying to kill you. So, I mean, actively. 
When you think about it, it kind of is. Like, it's kind of trying, well, it's trying to help you survive, but then it's also looking for threats around every corner. It's like throwing a lemming. It's like trying to throw me off a cliff to protect myself, and that's just not fucking happening. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty twisted. Oh my god, wait, have you watched, that just reminded me, have you watched Squid Game? I have not, because I just don't fucking care. I the premise of it really bothers me and the shitty uh translations really bother me Mm -hmm. so like I just I can't bring myself to do it yet but please go on and explain I do know the the idea okay I thought the same thing I was like I really don't give a fuck about this but then me and Joe were like Joe's like let's let's try it and I'm like okay uh it's just it's it's very twisted but I like that type of shit yeah (laughs) but yes the lip the lip uh the lip reading thing or you know the translations over um i don't mm. know what they call it but it's it's bad it's it's kind of bad but well my thing with that just to clarify is not even like that it's the fact that the people who translated it from is it korean yeah from korean to english mistranslated things yeah they do and the and just the like some of the english like speaking over the is bad it is bad it's just like kind of there's some of it's really pretty good and it kind of blends together pretty well but then there are just certain characters that like they do it like way over the top and i'm just like bro yeah but yeah we did have to i will say we had to turn off the subtitles because like the english words and what was written were not the same Mm -hmm. because the translations Mm -hmm. like didn't (laughs) they didn't come out well but the premise of the show is interesting okay and it makes you think but i didn't want to jump hellscape yeah pretty much and just about like i don't know i think i think the concept of like good and bad in people is really interesting yeah and how people justify like morally their decisions so i don't know i kind of i kind of liked it for that i mean yeah but you you really dig that kind of shit i do i really do so like yeah, I I, th- I can see that. I'll have to try at some point. Yeah, you don't have to, but if you do, I will. T- I'd like to talk about it. Yeah, you absolutely can. Um, <clears throat> do you have an update for me? Yes, I have exciting updates. So, okay, our boy Perus Payne yes. no longer on death row. Yes. Unfortunately, he does. He is now like serving two consecutive life sentences but Fuck. right but if as long as he's alive we can help him get, yes you know get this this dropped and get a retrial and keep exploring evidence and all that shit so yes it's yes. good news honestly it's it's good better news than than i yeah. have heard about him for a while and that just came out today yes that is awesome um yes and Julius Jones, this has been widely uh, talked about with the Innocence Project and otherwise, uh, his his uh, death sentence got, I don't know what the proper word is, canceled? Is it commuted? Um, Not commuted. What's commuted? What am I? I'm mixing that up with something. Commu- Either way, yes. Canceled. It is canceled. No, actually, the my, uh, my text from the Innocence Project said Julius Jones's execution is canceled. So... Oh, all right. Yeah. That is great. He is in people and executions. I love it. Yep. Perfect. Um, So, yeah, hopefully 
I mean, I don't doubt that the Innocence Project and the legal teams are going to continue to work on them to get them out of jail where they rightfully deserve, you know, out is where they rightfully deserve to be, not in. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are good. Those are good. Uh, good things. Solid updates. Yeah. A good. Good things for a shitty day. Good things for a shitty day. Yeah, I like it. Nice. How about you? Anything? No, there's still nothing on the Summerton Mayan, and none of my other stories really have updates that I need to give. So. Okay. Well, I have a. We've actually gotten this story that I'm going to do today requested a couple of times from a couple Sweet. different people. Um. Yeah, it's it starts out a little heavy. It's it's twists and turns, man. Okay. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, well, I used uh for my sources, I found on YouTube an episode of 2020 from 2012. So I used that and then a Wikipedia article, but honestly the 2020 video like episode of that that show did a really good job, so a lot of my information is summarized from that. Perfect. Okay, so let's get going. Um, Gary Eastburn describes the moment he met his future wife, Katie, as love at first sight. The couple married in 1975, and Gary went on to become a captain of the U.S. Air Force. By 1985, Gary and Katie settled down in Fayetteville, North Carolina, near Fort Bragg, where Gary, or where Gary supervised air traffic control at the Pope Air Force Base. The Eastburns had three daughters at this time, five-year-old Kara, three-year-old Aaron, and Jana, who is just under two. Have you heard the story? I don't think so. God, it's it's fucking weird, man. All right. So a friend and neighbor of the Eastburns, Jeanette Seafeld, described Katie as the most devoted mother she'd ever seen. In spring of 1985, Gary was completing a 10-week training course at Maxwell Air Force Base in Alabama leaving Katie and the girls at home in Fayetteville. Gary and Katie would write letters to each other during that time, and Gary made sure to call home every Thursday night from the base's payphone. Which I think that's so cute, because this was like before yeah. this was before email, social media, so they would like write letters to each other. Just that's adorable. That's really sweet. Yeah. Um, okay, so on May 7th, 1985, this happened to be a Thursday night uh, when Gary made his weekly call home. But this time, Katie didn't pick up pick up unable to leave the air force base gary called his home in north carolina for two days and nights by that sunday which happened to be mother's day the seafelds next door also grew worried about katie and the girls after seeing newspapers piled up on the front porch they went over to the eastburn residence and knocked on the door no one answered but they heard a baby crying in the home they contacted the police who broke into the eastburn's locked house so, like, this is already just fucking upsetting. And yeah. it's, like, you just get this feeling. I can imagine the neighbors, the husband, like, you just get this feeling in the pit of your stomach, like, something is very wrong. So, once inside, police found one-and-a-half-year-old Jana Eastburn alone in her crib. She was hungry, thirsty, and her clothing was soiled from being left alone. Police handed her to Jeanette Seafeld, who took her into her home to change and feed her. And she described Jana's teeth as black from dehydration. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. It's it's so awful. An ambulance was called for the baby and doctors later said that she was just hours from death. Oh my 
So back at the Eastburns, authorities found a house of horrors. They found Katie lying dead on a bedroom floor, her clothes removed and underwear cut from her body. She had been raped and stabbed 15 times. Kara had also been repeatedly stabbed, and Aaron had died from bludgeoning to the chest and back. Jana was left alone for about three days, with the murders likely occurring the Thursday night that Gary had tried to call home. And it was so sad because the detectives on this case, who were really, really passionate about this case, um, they said that, like, the one of the, I think it was uh, Aaron, who was, was she the five-year-old or the three-year-old? She was the three-year-old, was, like, found, like, hiding under her covers. So, like, she knew kind of what was going on and was trying to hide. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just, like, if you can kill a kid, you're a special kind of, like, devil. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, when Gary received a call from home, he was hopeful that it was his wife finally returning his desperate attempts to reach her for the past few days. When he learned the call was from a detective, he knew something was very, very wrong. Oh, and it was so sad. When he was interviewed on the 2020 episode, he when he he said when he picked up that call and like once he learned it was a detective, he just answered it by saying how many of them are dead. Like he just <gasps> knew. Oh, yeah. He just had that. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. My heart just like sunk into my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. It was and this guy and Gary is so precious. And he was just like teary eyed the whole interview. Like, I don't which obviously you would be. But he's yeah. just ugh, he's just got that like cute dad energy. Yeah. Oh, my God. But so unfortunate. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's unfortunate or fortunate, but detectives wouldn't give him the news on the phone and like asked him to come back home. So he took the two hour flight back to Fayetteville, not knowing what was waiting for him when he returned. When Gary finally learned what happened to his family, he said his world stopped. Desperate for leads, authorities relied heavily on Jana for any memories she might have retained from that night. She was evaluated by a child psychiatrist who was able to uncover a few memories from Jana During their visits, Jana kissed a picture of her deceased mother, Katie, and referenced, I know, and referenced hiding from a burglar who was trying to get her, which that is crazy because, like, she She was, what, two years old? Not even? Not even two. And in in the episode, it looked like she was a little older when these, like, were, when these interviews were happening. So, like, she retained some of that for probably a good year, at least. Ugh. It, yeah, just unbelievable. But ultimately, she really couldn't provide much help, uh, like, on leads because she was just too young and she couldn't remember the intruder. Yeah. So in the days after the murders, other leads began coming in. A woman from the neighborhood came forward to tell police that she saw a white Chevy Chevette parked near the Eastbourne residence on that uh, Thursday night. Then... 20-year-old Patrick Cohn, a true American hero, I'll add, came forward to share that he witnessed a man leaving the home around 3.30 Sunday morning. Patrick Cohn reported that the man was carrying a bag over his shoulder, and when he passed Patrick on the sidewalk, he nodded toward him and said, I'm getting an early start today. So upsetting. (laughs) So upsetting. Yeah. So Patrick Cohn helped 
police create a composite sketch of the possible killer. He was white with a mustache, a pronounced nose, and wearing a beanie cap. During this time, police also learned that the Eastburn family was rehoming their family dog, Dixie, and Katie had written a letter to Gary about how a man came to the home to adopt the dog just days before the slayings occurred. A news broadcast aired requesting information about the man who adopted Dixie with the hope that he might have some information to help authorities. And after seeing the broadcast, Tim Hennis, a 27-year-old Army sergeant from Rochester, Minnesota, came forward saying that he was the person who came to the home and adopted the family dog. At this time, Hennis was married to Angela Hennis, and the couple had a two-month-old daughter, Christina. So detectives realized that Tim Hennis was the spitting image of the composite sketch that Back. Patrick Cohen helped to create, which he he was like they it was without question like that's who was in the sketch. Um, Tim, but Tim was very agreeable to help with the investigation. He gave samples of hair, blood, and fingerprints when the police asked. Uh, and little did he know, while all that was going on, Patrick Cohn picked his picture out of a lineup, identifying him as the man that he had seen early that Sunday morning. Detectives said that Patrick identified Hennis with no hesitation. To make matters worse for Hennis, authorities also noticed that the Hennis family car was a white Chevy Chevette. Oh my god, okay. So this was enough to make an arrest, and Timothy Hennis was taken into custody, and authorities... Oh shit. <laughs> did you hear him go oh shut up <laughs> yes clear as day i heard him <laughs> oh my god <sighs> okay so he was taken into custody um and authorities began making a case against him during their continued investigation another witness identified him as the man um that she saw this witness saw at an atm where they learned that he used katie eastburn's debit card so, okay. and when the police were interviewed, they were just like, at every turn, we, it was Tim Hennis. Like every, everywhere we looked, someone was identifying him. Like he just turned up. And so it was easy to, to it's easy to see why they were building a case against him. Um, later, people would allege that they didn't look at any other suspects. But I mean, to be fair, this, <laughs> all signs point to this guy. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is the dog okay? I don't know. I never found out if the dog's okay. Oh, my God. He's okay. He's okay. Okay, thanks. <laughs> there's there's no animal violence in this. Okay. Just violence against children. So. I mean, still fucking horrible. Still horrible. I just couldn't take you the just triple whammy You of... just couldn't take the dog on top of it. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Nope. I'd have just crumbled up in a ball and cried, so. Yeah. So. Okay. So this was really weird for to the community, to his family, to the police, because Hennis was seemingly a family man with no history of violence. Um, so, like, what was his motive? Why would he do this? Police learned that on the night of the murders, his wife and daughter had been out of town. So Hennis decided to visit an ex-girlfriend. When she rejected his advances, they let the police put together this narrative that he went out looking for sex. You know, it's fragile masculinity. Right. And then investigators theorized that the Eastburn home must have been, like, fresh on his mind after adopting the dog, so he returned to the house to prey on Katie. So the trial was heated, and there was lots of evidence presented. And despite that overwhelming evidence, though, none of it seemed to match that of, of 
Tim Hennis. So they had like hair, fingerprints, footprints, and none of them seemed to match with his. Um, There had been semen found in Katie's body, but because DNA testing was so new, the sample wasn't able to be tested. Like that wasn't even in their their scope of, you know, typical protocol. So on July 4th, 1986, the jury reached a verdict. He was guilty on all counts and sentenced to death. So when the trial ended and uh, Tim Hennis is sitting on death row, the mystery deepens when he receives a letter stating, Dear Mr. Hennis, I did the crime. I murdered the Eastburns. Sorry you're doing the time. Thanks, Mr. X. Fucking convenient. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So his legal team and family believed him to be innocent. His, oh, I hear Harry Potter. Yeah, sorry, my phone. Hello. And I didn't realize. Hello, Harry. Mm-hmm. So this whole time, he has a real, like, fucking dirtbag of a, of a lawyer. I mean, he's a great defense attorney because he uh, really believed that this guy was innocent. So his legal team, his family, you know, his wife, they firmly believed him to be innocent. Um, his wife and daughter visited him for two years while he was on death row, and his lawyers fought for a new trial. Okay. In a precedent-setting decision, the state Supreme Court overturned the guilty verdict, stating that the prosecutors, quote, inflamed the jury by showing graphic photos and basically, like, relying heavily on emotions instead of evidence. Fuck. Which, okay, I, don't they do that in every trial? But it's like, my my thing is, is like, you have, don't you kind of have to show evidence, like pictures of evidence? Isn't that sort of important for the jury to form their opinion? Yeah, I just, I just don't understand. Like, literally in every trial, don't they do that, though? Like, they're trying to play on the emotions of the, you know, the jury. So I guess that, yeah, I, I don't get that. I think that's a weird argument because it's like they're showing what they're showing what was presented by the cops as evidence. I mean, that's part of the trial. Like, I don't know. So that was very odd to me. Um, But he was granted a new trial, which began in 1989, which about four years after the murders took place. Okay. During the second trial, Patrick Cohn, our BFF, comes back to testify that Hennis is the man he saw leaving the crime scene at 3.30 that Sunday morning. The defense presented a new witness, a newspaper carrier, who stated that she saw a shorter white male with long, stringy hair leaving the residence that morning, which does not match Hennis's description. The defense also emphasized that none of the physical evidence matched that of Hennis, as well as the Mr. X letter that he received while in prison. Another twist in the second trial was that Tim Hennis took the witness stand to maintain his innocence, which he didn't do during the first one. Even then, Gary still believed, so Gary was Katie's uh, husband and the, the girl's father, that during this whole time, Gary believed without question that this guy murdered his, his wife and daughters. So, uh, in a crazy twist of events, on April 19th, 1989, Tim Hennis is freed after more than a month of testimony. The germ- jury members say that they weren't convinced and that there was too much circumstantial evidence to convict him okay so the fuck yeah so he's a free man okay great so 
He returns to the army and he served in Desert Storm in Somalia. He was promoted several times and received only good marks during his service. He was like, he was like given a lot of like distinctions in the military. Um, so just painted him as more of like, of course, this isn't the guy that murdered this woman and her two young daughters. Yeah. So there was even a book and show written by journalist Scott. Uh, Wisenant, um, based on the murders in the trial against Hennis called Innocent Victims. This was largely meant to point to the investigators not looking at any other suspects. So it was largely, you know, for Tim Hennis and kind of against the way the detectives went about uh, looking for additional suspects. So when asked if they read or watched innocent victims um in this interview on 2020 one of the detectives said no because he doesn't read fiction (laughs) oh my god so like the detectives the whole time were just like fuck no like this guy's absolutely guilty and yeah i'm glad i I mean oh yeah they were they were like they were like uh ride or die this guy is fucking guilty yeah yeah um no, there are no new suspects over the years, and that left the family obviously feeling very unsettled that the killer was just walking free. Whoever the killer was. Um, so then, in 2006, the Cumberland County Sheriff's Office cold case unit took a, another look at the evidence. Now able to test the semen for DNA, they sent it to the lab. With a certainty of 1 in 12,000 trillion... The forensic techs identified the murderer as none other than Tim Hennis. No shit, Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Right. So now that's the really interesting, um, this really interesting problem of the Fifth Amendment's double jeopardy clause. So oh, this, fuck. yeah. So this clause prohibits retrials after acquittals, but they found this loophole, which is pretty fucking smart. That it also has a dual sovereignty doctrine, which allows a defendant tried and acquitted in a state court to be retried at a federal court. Additionally, uh, the Uniform Code of Military Justice permits military personnel who have been tried in a civilian court to be court-martialed. Okay. So, okay. at the request of the Cumberland County Sheriff's Office, Lieutenant General John R. Vines, the commanding officer at Fort Bragg, recalled the retired Hennis back into service as a, uh, like, in order to charge him. (laughs) How fucked up up is that? Okay. So they, he he was recalled back into uniform so that they could charge him with the Eastbourne murders on the basis of the new DNA evidence. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Right? Isn't that wild? So on September 26, 2006, Hennis was recalled to military duty and he returned to Fort Bragg the following month. In August 2007, the commander of um, the Airborne Corps ordered that Hennis be court-martialed on three counts of capital murder. In the following three years, he made a bunch of attempts to appeal, but they were all dismissed. Thank God. <laughs> right. So Hennis's court martial at Fort Bragg began on March 17th, 2010. That's like after all the appeals and everything. It was a few years later um, and lasted for three weeks. 
for the court martial, Hennis enlisted the services of military lawyer Frank Spinner and two uniformed lawyers. The prosecution was represented by uh, Army Captains Matt Scott and Nathan Huff. And during the trial, they really just focused on this DNA evidence um, with the eyewitness accounts serving as kind of corroborating um, evidence as well. Uh, This defense team got dirty. They got real fucking dirty. Um, So they argued that the footprints, blood and hair found at the crime scene didn't match Hennis or the victims. In addition, they suggested that the crime scene evidence at the former Eastburn home had been contaminated. The dirtiest of them all was that they suggested that Hennis had had consensual sex with Katie Eastburn. Excuse me? Yeah. Which just is ridiculous. And it was very, like, it was of a huge, like, scandal in this that he even, that they would even, like, allege that. And and it also didn't make any sense because at the original trial, he said he didn't have sex with her, blah, blah, blah. And now they're saying that he did. Like, come on. Yeah. That just doesn't even look good for credibility. That's wow. How how fucking low and dirty do you have to be? Like, I realize you're trying to do justice by your client, but to even insinuate like. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention this. You want to know something really fucking nuts? When he was forced out of retirement in order to be court-martialed, he had settled down in um, just, like, right outside of Seattle, Washington, the Eastburns. And so Gary had remarried by then, and they had Jana still, because Jana was spared. Um, They lived 30 minutes away from him. Oh, my God. The whole time. The whole time. Like, until, like, they all kind of did, they all kind of went their separate ways, but then they all went back there and kind of settled down. Right. But they lived 30 minutes away from from them. Oh, my God. And on the interview, Jana, who at this point during the interview, she was, like, in her mid to late 20s, she was like, that was always my biggest fear was, like, being near him. And this whole time, I was near him. Right. So, anyway, uh... (laughs) the jury the jury it was actually a jury of like military members at this um court-martialed hearing um they deliberated for three hours (laughs) and unanimous unanimously found hennis guilty and sentenced him to death again on april 8th 2010 okay oh thank god i'm just really glad that like this didn't fucking fall apart Right, you isn't know. that, I was like, when I was watching this episode of 2020, and like, I was like, oh, holy shit, like, what, I legitimately didn't know what was going to happen, because they were just finding all these loopholes, but then he walked free, and they found more loopholes, and got him back in, I was just, like, on the edge of my fucking seat. Yeah. So, he, they're still, they are still trying to appeal this second um, death sentence okay. um, charge. And their last attempt was denied in January of 2021. Okay. Well, good. Because fuck him. Yep. So I'm the glad fucker... it was recently denied. So fuck you, you piece of shit. Yeah, I don't. And I I don't know. To me, it's like, it was a federal court. It was an army court martial or whatever, a court martial. Like, oh yeah, I guess army. He was in the army. 
Um, yeah. So I don't think that shit's getting overturned again. I mean, no. and, and it's like, it's so certain. Um, so I did just want to also uh, like part of the 2020 episode was Jana being in- interviewed and she understandably has like a lot of survivor's guilt. Like why was she spared? She does believe Aww. she's, I know she was like, I, I believe that I was just like, I was spared for my dad. Like she's, she was ended up being the only one that he had. Um, authorities say that she was likely spared because she couldn't identify the perpetrator. Unlike the three and five year old right. who would have been able to. Gary did go on to remarry, which is nice. And um, it, 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 this whole thing is so crazy. And the scumbag like lawyer that he originally worked with and the guy that wrote that um, book and TV show, Innocent Victims, they still believe that he is innocent. Like they will not, tr- like they don't trust that this very scientifically proven um, DNA sample is accurate. They think it was contaminated. Like they, they throw out all kinds of, um excuses and and reasons why like it could still not be him which is insane to me Rachel are you there Oh shit I muted myself because my dad's talking extremely fucking loud again Oh um <laughs> and uh I didn't want to cut you off and I've been sitting here talking the whole time Oh um, you couldn't hear me so, What you say so I just said, like, what does his, does, does his, oh my God, dad. Rick. Hold on. Father! <laughs> Sir! Did you hear his door slam? <laughs> <laughs> Did I hear Sloppy Joe's also? Yeah, he, he made, okay. He made Sloppy Joe's and Sloppy Henrietta's because I don't eat red meat. So he made me chicken sloppy joes. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, turkey sloppy joes are this shit too. Yeah. So um, sorry. Anyway, but he slammed his door like a fucking teenager when I yelled at him. So um anyway, I was asking, what does the what does his family think? Like, have they said anything about like um I mean his his wife like he was still married. No, they didn't really speak to their reactions after the second trial, but overwhelmingly though, the his like his legal team and family still believe that he's innocent, which is crazy to me. Yeah. That's just, I mean, I get wanting to like save your people, I guess, but it's just one of those things. Like the evidence clearly points that it was him. So. And like the 2020 um, interviewer was trying to get out of the, uh, the author of that, that book and the legal the the lawyer that he was working with she's like how could someone like fudge a semen sample and they were just yeah. very they were just very vague and like oh well it was it was contaminated blah, blah, blah. and it's like but how and like they couldn't give an answer for like how would that be contaminated right did he go in like jizz in the like fucking police station somehow oh, right like, I don't like- understand. <laughs> but like <laughs> Also, like, the fact that they said that he might have had consensual sex with her and his wife still thinks he's innocent. Like, come the fuck on, bro. Come on, lady. Like, what And that's just, that's just a really gross low blow. Like, it is. It's awful. It's awful. But you know what I mean? Like, I just can't, (laughs) I can't, I can't believe. Because to me, that's like admitting, okay, yeah, you were there. 
Right. You know, and like, like you swore up and down at the first trial that you didn't have sex with her, blah, blah, blah. But now you're changing your story and saying that you did and trying to paint this mother as like cheating on her husband, which just doesn't check out at all. No, no, um, not at all. Yeah. So not that's that was a pretty wide, uh, widely requested story about the Eastburn family murders and really a pretty wild one because of that double jeopardy being yes he almost got away with that shit he sure did the fucking military coming in clutch for that you know like god he was he was never he had no other criminal history like it really is pretty fascinating like what was it really just that he went to a ex-girlfriend when his wife was away and she didn't want to bone him so he just like I don't even want to say snapped because that's not snapping. You snapping would have been you went into a blind rage and killed the ex-girlfriend, but you actively went out and like sought so, out someone. So else. that makes me think that he did it to somebody else too. And they right. just never fucking caught him. Well, that's know? what that's what I was wondering. Like what else? Like I just that's a very um large leap for a one-off, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like what a fucking violent crime. A violent crime, a, a violent crimes committed against two girls, five and under. I mean, good God. Yeah. yeah I just. Mm. Yeah. Crazy. So. <sighs> yeah. That was a doozy, huh? A little bit. A little bit. Yep. Like, so. Not even a little bit. A lot. Like. <laughs> holy shit. No, it was heavy. And I honestly did not know where it was going to end up. Yeah, I, I, just, I had I had no doubt that it was him. I just not not for a single fucking moment. No, I had no doubt that it was him. But I was like, is he gonna like get away with this? Is he gonna get away with this? Or yeah, I was like, I was like, is this motherfucker once they like prove with DNA, is he gonna be dead like already? Like oh yeah, and then he, we get no fucking justice. Yeah, and then it was just like oh great, so he got to live his stupid life, uh, completely scot free. But so yeah, I am. I am glad that they ended up catching him. It's just so terribly heartbreaking. I mean, that poor man. Yeah. Gary, yeah. that is. I'm I I understand that his daughter probably has a lot of survivors guilt, like you said, but I'm really, really thankful that she did survive because I just can you, the whole thing is horrific. And I'm not saying like that it's not, but like having her there had to have given him something to like fight for more you know oh my god oh yeah and he was like he was like Jana was my first second and third priority like always um and it it just and he must have felt not that he not that he needed to but he must have felt guilty for like being away like right that is just yeah that's like unfathomable like if he was home maybe this wouldn't have happened like oh my god i just (laughs) yeah the whole thing the whole thing is so sad it's it's really really sad and but i will say those detectives kicked ass because they always were just like this motherfucker is guilty as sin yeah yeah i'm glad i'm really glad that they didn't fucking like they didn't like give up on it and good for that uh the cold case unit for i'm still baffled i'm still baffled about the fucking military (laughs) like i'm so i'm so happy about that I know they were like, fuck this guy. I know, Guess right? Guess what? Guess what, bitch? Coming out of retirement now. I wonder how they, I wonder if like he knew that that was why he was coming out of retirement or if they were just oh, like, oh. he had to have. He had to have. I don't how know, though. Was he when that happened? 
when when he was brought out of retirement yeah well it was it was like 85 95 it was like 25 years after it happened about i mean so and how long had he been retired i don't know that probably a good long while i'm sure he was they weren't like let's let's pull this fucking old head out of retirement for some fucking duty i don't know i could see i could see him just being kind of shocked though because like motherfucking white dude that just thinks i mean yeah exceptional and get can get away with anything yeah fair that is fair point you know like i could see i could kind of see that too but um luckily the motherfucker is on death row that this is another one where it's just like yeah the world wouldn't be a, a terribly worse off place without you here yeah yeah Oh, and then you feel like, I don't know, it's it's cases like that just blur the, like, the line of, like, my belief in a lot of, like, the penalties and shit, you know? Oh, I know. I mean, killing a three and a five-year-old, you've got to yeah. be this You don't biggest, deserve. Yeah, you've got to be the biggest piece of shit, like, to walk. Yeah. And then leaving, leaving a not even two-year-old to yeah. almost die herself just from neglect, like, wow gotta be a real piece of shit yeah absolutely fuck yep so yeah why were you nervous that was a good that was a good story uh i because i just rusty i was just rusty and there was it was just kind of like a long story to summarize and i was afraid that i was gonna miss something um i think you did fantastic well thanks yeah that was good Thanks, bud. You got anything for padded room? I'm trying to think about what I was. Our padded room just ends up being fucking TV. It, it <laughs> really does. Time. Yeah. Every time because everything is a hellscape. Um, I do have some like personal padded room. Okay. Uh, the store is like <gasps> coming along. Yay! Uh, it was supposed to open in November, but that's not happening. Well, it's supposed to open in October, but yeah, yeah, but it just keeps getting pushed. So, um, they are working on the floor this week, and then they nice. should be doing the doors. We're pretty much done with everything we can do, so we're starting to put up our shelving and stuff. So that essentially, the minute he says we can move in, we can request the occupancy permit from the city, and we can get our product on the shelves and open up for December. Go! That's so. awesome. Um, if you'd like to support us in any way, because we are hemorrhaging money right now because <laughs> we have not been able to make any sales um, because we're doing we haven't done pop ups or anything because we've been working on the store. Um, please definitely check out our website. We're going to be doing a big Black Friday sale. Um, and uh, if you want to try anything, you know, shoot me a message. I'm happy to send you some samples of gummies and stuff, too. And I will say those gummies are pretty clutch. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad. <laughs> they are pretty clutch. They knocked me right the fuck out, which is exactly yes. what I wanted them to do. Yes, so they are they are good for that. So, um, yeah. So if you'd like to support me, fantastic. Thanks. If not, no big deal. <laughs> if not, it's uh, fine. <laughs> it's, yeah. If not, it's fine. I'll just starve. Um, <laughs> uh, but no. So I. What have I? I started watching a fucking show. What show was it? Oh, Tiger King 2! Oh, Jesus. See, that's the one that I just don't know. Oh, yeah, but I had to, because I just I just want to fucking know. I don't give a no, fuck I mean, about... I mean, I get it, because, like, it's entertaining. But I just... 
what else are they gonna fucking do with that it, it's i guess just be outrageous as hell yeah well and here's here's the thing they aren't even focusing just on joe so there was a place in and i'm really fucked off about this so in indiana state there was a place called wildlife in need okay and I used to follow them on Facebook because they do like, and this was before I understood how fucked because, up it is. Because they helped wildlife in need. <laughs> exactly. So I thought that they were like helping to rehab like tigers and like, you know, like that kind of shit. So I didn't fully understand this shit at the time, right? I will fully, completely accept that I was a happy little idiot about it, you well, know? I think, yeah, I don't, but it, like, I don't think, I don't think we... I don't think anyone knew like what was no I just thought they were cute animals and you know me I'll fucking go ape shit over a cute little animal so I tried to fucking swoon a raccoon at your wedding <laughs> so I followed them because they put baby tigers and it was just really fucking cute and I was like oh I'm gonna go out there someday because it's the closer one and like I can go see baby animals and pet baby tigers and maybe they'll have baby I was just really excited for baby animals so right? was this like a sanctuary type thing yeah like a okay. like a Carol Baskin or Killed Joe Exotic yeah that kind of shit <laughs> but this guy that runs it is straight up fucking in just nuts just yeah because ultimately I think they're just they're just like zoos i mean worse yeah, and but he treated the animals like shit right and like i found out all this horrible stuff and you know how i don't handle animal abuse well but like i found out all this horrible stuff that he did and like so it's focusing on him right now and his legal battle and like so there is a lot to do because it's not just about joe exotic it's about the whole fucked up big cat community and all of the private for paid zoos that don't focus on actual rehabilitation and rebuilding populations because we do need zoos, but we don't need those kind of zoos. You know, like we need the ones that focus on helping to repopulate endangered species. You know what I mean? Like shit like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't, I honestly, zoo, zoos bum me out. I don't like them. Um, uh, they, they, they do, I, I do believe that some of them serve a purpose. I also believe that some of them are merely for profit. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. For, like, I, I have a love-hate relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go to zoos because I want to see the animals, but I don't want to see the animals in cages. Yeah, it's, it's, I, ugh, I don't, I, I think yeah. I told you, have I told you about this like a million times about the, the ape or the gorilla, whatever it was? No. When I was, when I was a kid? No. Oh, no. We went, <laughs> I don't even really remember this. My mom, but my mom tells me about it. We went to a zoo, my brother and I and my mom and our family friends with other with like little kids. We went to a zoo together and I got so upset because the <gasps> gorillas looked so sad oh behind God. the glass. I got so I got so upset, I guess, like just inconsolable. And they had to take me home. Oh. Like I was so upset. Yeah, I don't know. And I still just feel I don't know. It just I feel I feel bad and I don't think I don't think a lot of zoos are really um yeah. out there for this uh you know this um what word am I looking for this benevolent reason I think a lot of them are yeah. just for profit and entertainment yeah absolutely absolutely I fully get that so you were inconsolable as a child I get inconsolable as an adult <laughs> right yeah um so I fully get it but yeah so I, I don't know it is actually really real really really interesting 
Um, I feel a little bit more for Carol Baskin. I still think she killed her husband, but like <laughs> whacked him. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of what I found out watching this that came to light, I was like, oh, I mean, well, fuck, I might have fucking killed him too. So, <laughs> oh, okay, um, that's interesting. I mean, not really, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it's it's more like you're some of the accusations that are made. You're just like, oh, fuck, you know. So I don't know. I don't know. So wait, was he like? Was he, like, abusive or something? Well, he wasn't a good husband. I'll say that. And without any spoilers, but a little bit of spoilers, some of the dirty shit he was doing in Costa Rica, um, we would both be like, no, you're gross and you deserve to not be alive. You deserve to be unalived. Got it. Um, At least what they alluded to in the show. There was no confirmation that this was truly happening, but um, I'm just going to say he liked them young. And you'll get what I'm saying. Uh, got it. Yeah. So stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. Like, that's not good. No. I'm not. That's not okay. So no. I really don't care about Don Lewis at this point if that shit's true. You know? Uh, yeah. I. Uh, and I honestly, I don't I don't know that she killed him. I don't know. It's funny. It's funny that, like, the idea of it is. is yeah. <laughs> just because, yeah. like like feeding him to a tiger like come the fuck on america yeah. yeah absolutely and i there's definitely some sketchy shit that happened don't get me wrong on her part um i don't I, I don't know what to believe but i'm just i don't have quite as much sympathy for the missing dead man at this point <laughs> okay um as i did fair enough beginning i never thought that i would long for the tiger king days of the pandemic like, Why do you long for that? Um, because it was a simpler time. <laughs> like when like we were all just starting to be work from home and like, you know, the quarantine, like, you know, if we had to go out, there was no one on the road. Um, I didn't have as much road rage because people weren't driving. So it was a lovely time in my life. Um, and I just really like it's silly, like, looking back at that, I was like, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. And now I'm just like, I kind of miss that because no one is taking it seriously anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will say it's, like, it's difficult to know what we're supposed to be doing now. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I don't like that. It was um, more clear cut back then. It it definitely was. So, you know, there's that. Um. Yeah. So what did uh, I just fucked that all up? That was a long padded room. I'm sorry. That's okay. Did you have anything? Um, no, not really. Okay. I already talked about. I should have saved. Well, I'm just disappointed in myself. I should have saved Squid Game for my padded room, but I was really wait. No, wait. What were we gonna talk about? Astro World. We we're gonna talk about Astro World. <gasps> That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That is fucking heartbreaking i don't even know how to feel about it besides sick i i don't so i i think back to all of these like mass events like this where people have been trampled to death Mm. um there was the the was it what what concert was it in ohio it was yeah it was some concert in i think it was in cincinnati um ohio who was playing i'm trying to remember but then there was also that club. I don't remember where the fuck that was, but the pyrotechnics fucked off and like caught the club on fire and people got trampled because there was no way to get out of the club and they had put too many people in the club. 
Mm, it was so the there who. was that. It was the who. Oh, the fucking who. December third, nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, it was in Cincinnati. Uh, it, like, I, I'm just, and if you don't know what the astral world thing is, I you live under a rock. Look it up. Basically, a bunch of fucking people got trampled at a concert. Um, in in what Houston? I think that's where it was. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why, if this has happened already, how it could happen again. It's happened so many fucking times. And, like, I, I, I keep seeing memes and stuff, and I, I don't like the memes, because you're making fun of people who have died in such a traumatic way, and it's not <sighs> okay. But the one that I did see kind of resonated with me, and it wasn't even that it, like, it was meant to be a funny meme, but it was not funny, because it, it mentioned, it was, like, at metal shows, when someone goes down, the people know to pick that person back up. You stop whatever the fuck you're doing, okay? It doesn't yeah. matter. Everybody stops, dead stops, okay? And picks that person back up before anything continues. And granted, at this point, I don't think that that really could have happened at this concert because it seemed like it was a rush to the stage. Mm-hmm. But that kind of shit doesn't happen at those shows as often because there is that kind of culture of like everyone takes care of each other, if that makes sense. Well, and I think there's a lot of things like at Ray. I, I yeah. Think- I, I think Travis Scott was fucking um he was egging them on to do that yeah. shit. And he yeah. has a history of doing that. Right. So like it's just there's so many things that come together. But that's also kind of what I meant about like at a metal show, you would like a rock show in general, you would never have the person on stage egging people on in the crowd to do that kind of shit. Do you know did you get what I'm saying? yeah i mean and like they I, i've seen footage there's footage of an adele concert where one person passed out and she stopped the whole fucking show right and was right. like um someone take care of this person and then she when it was you know when they when paramedics came and and got the person to safety then she stopped and she went back and, and started the song from the beginning like right so right it, and, and the fact like Travis Scott, he's done this before. He has a history of doing this. He has a history of telling his concert goers to ignore security and rush the stage. That's, I'm not, he's not responsible. I mean, mean, he's not. No, he is. What I mean to say is he's, it's not his fault, but you have, it's your event and you have a level of responsibility. I fully think it's his fault. If he was egging them on, then that, like, you can't, you can't say it's not his fault. If he looked at the crowd and said, fuck the security, essentially, I don't know exactly what he said, and rush the stage. Because all you're doing, you really don't think that your diehard fans aren't going to listen to you? Well, I mean, I do, I do think that people have individual, like, accountability to not do dumb shit. And, but, what, but I am saying, though, yes, he, he has a level of responsibility, and he needs to answer for that. And Yeah, yeah. And I, I know like Drake was there as a as an appearance like a, a co-appearance on that on that tour like you, you got to answer for that shit like you can't be doing that and think that you're not going to have to answer for it because just, this, it's your event and your words matter i think people just don't understand that their fucking words matter like no and their impact like i realize there is a level of responsibility i truly do but let's put some other shit together here we have all been cooped up uh-huh, for that's how other, fucking long. That's the other thing. Like, this was probably for a lot of those people their first time going out into a crowd like that. 
you went to see Travis Scott and Travis Scott is telling you rush the stage and you're going to, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people, yeah, you have individual choice, but a lot of people were probably so overwhelmed and overtaken about actually being in a fucking show that they just listened. They just did it. And then all it takes is like, you know, a crowd of people to do that when it gets uncontrollable. Yeah. And yes. I was listening, I was listening to like, I was listening to a podcast about how this crowd surging happens. I mean, it just sounds god awful. Like, yeah, it just sounds so like such a terrible and some of these people suffered. I mean, it wasn't an instant death for some people. No. There was like a nine year old boy, like for fuck's sake. I the whole the whole thing, like I have you ever been to a show and been at the front? No, I where haven't. they push? No, I haven't. I've never, so, I've never been that, <laughs> that fucking like rich. <laughs> well, like, uh, let me just say it was like Vans Warp Tour, so it's not like oh, I was rich. Yeah, yeah. I was just a dumb teenager. Um, but like I've been pushed up against that uh-huh. the fence, and you can't breathe, and it's hot, and there's bodies pressed up against you. You know what I mean? So like, I can't even imagine what these people went through with being literally under all of that and probably suffocated between bodies. And like, it's just, it's just fucking sad. And then added like panic to that and people, oh my God, I just, so the victims as of three days ago, uh, Franco Patino, who was 21, a university at date, uh, senior at the university of Dayton in Ohio. Um, John Hilgert, um, he was 14. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Brianna Rodriguez was 16. Mm. Rudy uh, Pena was 23. Danish, I'm going to say this wrong, and I'm sorry, Beg. Um, they don't have an age on him, but he wasn't a child. Uh, Jacob Uranek was 20 um axel acosta was 21 madison dubisky uh 23 barty shahani was 22 um and ezra blount was nine mm-hmm. and he was the last to die mm-hmm. i just it's unbel mm. it's unbelievable and just like such such a an event to be excited about and to look forward to and to not ever think that you're going that's going to be your last thing that you ever did i mean that's unbelievable. it's just the chaos of it and i just i think back to that the who the you know the trampling at the who concert and you're just like how how have we not learned as a human race <laughs> right i don't understand i truly don't understand like i don't know if I, I have no idea if there was like understaffing at play too with like security and stuff. I don't know if that had something to do with it because everywhere is understaffed, but it's inconceivable and inexcusable. Like, and the, the artists do have to answer for that because it's ultimately, it's your event and like what you say to your fans matters. And did he stop? So I think I heard something like he's, he stopped once and then, but then went on for like 40 minutes while the surging was happening. Like what? The, yeah. Like he did not, the, he did not adequately stop the show. I, 
I have not watched any video footage. Don't, I have not and it read a whole lot. And it all should be taken down. It, that None of that video footage should even be up. Yeah. Like, you taught me some things today about it because I just... Honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't want to read about it. I don't want to read about these people's lives being taken away, you know, by the actions of, you know, the others around them at this concert, because it's just the whole thing just makes me want to cry. It's terrible. It's like, seriously terrible. And just like, the thought of it was, it like makes my chest hurt. Um, Mm. And and then the other thing that that really pissed me off that people were saying is that like there was, it was due to drug use. It's like, you know what? People, the entire fucking crowd. Uh, right, and like there was there was some I don't know if this was even had any truth to it, but it was just purely a rumor. There was some fucking thing about like a security guard getting um, getting like stabbed with a needle. Listen, are some of these people gonna have been found with drugs in their system? Like some of the victims, maybe. Does it matter? Not even kind no. of. Was it everyone? No. Did that really have anything much to do with the the crowd surge? I don't think so. Like, I, so that's just becoming a scapegoat and that really needs to just knock the fuck off. Yeah, I haven't heard that. So you just taught me that too. But no, none of that fucking matters. Mm-hmm. None of I'm that tr- fucking matters. I'm trying to find the information about if he stopped, but I think... I know there was something like he maybe stopped once, but then went on for like another 40 minutes. Um, what, and it's like 40 minutes. What the fuck? Yeah. And I can't find it, but it's something like it, whatever he, whatever, whatever he did wasn't enough. Yeah. No, no. And the fact that he hasn't done anything since is not enough either. He's apparently like, He's apparently going to pay for the victim's funerals. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah. Right. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, that shouldn't even be. That's the fucking least you can do. Exactly. Like, that That should be obvious. But, yeah. And, like, the statement he, he, I think he put out some kind of statement. It was very fucking lackluster. And just, like, really, man? Like, he he really needs to have some accountability yeah. for this. He so. truly, truly does. That's my rant. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. I hope none of what I said came off as me being a dick. I just. No, I don't like, think so. I just. Uh, the whole thing just. It's gross. It's like, yeah. it's horrifying. It, like the thought of it makes like, just makes me sick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And my heart just breaks for the people who are, you know, missing. Yeah. <sighs> well, all right. Yeah. On that yeah, we're note. depressed. <laughs> No, I need to go into a padded room. <laughs> yeah, yep, absolutely. All right, well, um, I don't have anything witty to say. I'm I'm witted out. You want to do the socials? Oh, fuck, I forgot. We also didn't introduce each other. Oh, that's Rachel. <laughs> that's Becky. We're a little late to <laughs> the is, game today. This is Chardonnay and DNA. <laughs> this was Chardonnay and DNA. <laughs> this was. It no longer is. <laughs> it's not anymore. Right now, it's just the Becky and Rachel shit show. Yeah. Um. Which is what Chardonnay and DNA is anyway, but, um, all right. Facebook is Chardonnay and, and sign. And yeah. Sign. DNA. Uh, Instagram is Chardonnay and DNA all written out. Fuck Twitter. Uh, the Gmail is Chardonnay and DNA at gmail.com. Send us your fucking stories at this point. If you want us to cover something and there's not really DNA in it, we'll do, do it. it. 
we'll do it. We'll talk we'll about whatever it. you want us to talk about. Um, website, SharnayandDNA.com. Um, buy some t-shirts. They make a great fucking gift for your friends and family. Okay. Okay. Well, you keep it weird and we will talk to you next week, bitches. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>